You gotta exercise the muscle, the prayer. Again, prayer is the muscle of the church. I love the insight here too. Here you have the, the uh, collision of two powers. Uh, you have the world wielding its, wielding its physical sword, literally cutting off heads and imprisoning people by force. And that power of the world is met by the power of the Lord and the power of the church. And the power of the church is not physical sword. The power of the church is prayer. Welcome back to Live in the Light, friends. Thankful, as always, for you to join us here today. We are continuing on in our study of the book of Acts. And Acts is, for many of us, an exciting book filled with supernatural healings and miracles and salvation after salvation. Lots of exciting stuff. But here's the thing, and I'm guilty of this too. So often we look for the glitz and the glamour, the flash and the bang, and forget that more often than not, God moves the power of prayer. And that's why I'm very excited about today's message in Acts 12 entitled Supernatural Prayer. A great crisis faces the early church and their first response is prayer. A good word for all of us today, regardless of where we may find ourselves. So let's dive in and let's learn more. Here's Pastor Robbie with today's message entitled Supernatural Prayer. You have the world wielding its, wielding its physical sword, literally cutting off heads and imprisoning people by force. And that power of the world is met by the power of the Lord and the power of the church. And the power of the church is not physical sword. The power of the church is prayer. They combat this, this colliding, this collision of forces, one with physical, one with spiritual. And which do you think is more powerful? Which do you think Again, we'll win. Charles Spurgeon, he said this about the power of prayer. He says, my own soul's conviction is that prayer is the grandest power in the entire universe. No more powerful than the sword, more powerful than governments, more powerful than anything humankind can come up with. That's Spurgeon's conviction. May it be our conviction, our conviction that prayer, now, 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 many of us, we will live this way as though this is not true. We will live as though it is one of multiple powers we can access. But at the end of the day, if your theology is right, there is no greater power in the entire universe, this is so true, than the power of prayer that is offered to God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, just think of that video we saw to lead up to this message today. The overwhelming evidence of everything that happened in the book of Acts to the early church was based on prayer. It was based on prayer. When our theology lines up with our lives, then we start to live out the power of prayer. What I'm about to say right now, I'm not seeking to make you feel guilty, but I am loving it if you would feel conviction over this. Why is it that some of us have never donned the doors of this church in the midst of a churchwide prayer meeting? Again, I'm not trying to make guilt stinks. Guilt is nothing. 
But what I'm suggesting to you, and there's different reasons for this, is that when your theology is accurate, because you can't argue with me right now based on what's being said, because if you're arguing with me, you're arguing with God. It's just in the Bible. Without prayer, we have no chance. So again, the church or the people, or the family or the marriage, whatever it is, if they don't pray, there's something severely disconnected with what they say they probably believe and how they actually live. The church understood the theology and the church went for it big time. Serious, heartbreaking and earnest prayer. Again, listen, I, I don't want, I don't, in Jesus' name, I don't want guilt, man. It just serves no purpose. It lasts for a couple of minutes and then fades off. But the conviction, see, what I do in my life all the time, I continually preach to myself the theology that I know is true. And in this case, the theology is, Robbie, if you don't pray, you're done. You have no power. God holds all the power. You must pray. Pray unceasingly. You must pray to the one who holds the power. There's no point in the church again. We must understand what does God bless? In this case, massive dependence upon him. That's what he blesses. He blesses the humble, those who are broken, those who depend on him. He opposes the proud. He opposes the arrogant. He opposes the self-righteous. He opposes those who are self-dependent. But he works in and dwells with those who are lowly and broken and contrite in spirit. One of the best ways we show that is through prayer. So serious heartbreak, get earnest prayer. Number two, an impossible situation and yet answered prayer. An impossible situation and yet answered prayer. So look at verse six now, this text, this text is so good. All right. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two, look at the details of the Bible, okay? Bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak. Look, at, look how practical this is. I love it. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And Peter went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them on its own accord. Awesome, right? And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure. Look at all that Peter has seen, all that he's experienced already in the building of the early church. He's still, there's a part of him that's like, is this really happening? And like, did he really believe what was going on? He says, now I'm sure that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Okay, so Let's start with this glorious text. Let's start with this impossible situation, okay? Peter is under maximum security. You have four squads of soldiers, so four times four, four different watches of soldiers throughout a 24-hour period. Two soldiers were chained to Peter while sleeping. Okay, that's not only awkward, right? That's also an impossible escape, don't you agree? It's impossible to escape from that. Then you have two more soldiers who are guarding the doors to the entrance of the cell. I mean, that's quite the security here. Now, Peter had already escaped once from prison. You have to think Herod heard about that happening right there in Jerusalem. He's like, no, no, not this time. You might've gotten away the somehow last time. There's no way. And he made it, set it upon himself to make sure 
that Peter would not escape again the foolishness of the ways of humanity when it really comes down to it, when you're trying to oppose God. Then I just love verse seven. I love verse seven. Look at verse seven. Give you a chance just to read it again. I love the power of God in verse seven. I love the supernatural in verse seven. I love the light that shines in that dark cell. The angel shows up and however that looks, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play that DVD or digital form, whatever that is in heaven. I wanna see that, man. What did the light look like? It comes from the angel and it's shining in that dark place. That's an awesome, awesome thing. I love how the angel has to strike Peter. Do you see that? I'm not making that up. It's right there in the text. Look it. The angel shows up and has to strike Peter. Now time out a second. Wait a second, we, we know from the text that that very day, Peter is about to lose his head for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he's sleeping like a baby. Like he is snoring apparently, or he is in deep sleep at the very least to the point the angel has to come and either kick him or strike him and say, hey, wake up. It's like the teenagers sleeping long into the hours of the morning. You come up and you shaking them to get the, wake up, wake up. Son, most of the time, wake up, wake up. Right, wait, the angel, I love that that's there. Now, a few chapters from now, Paul is gonna be in prison with Silas and he's gonna be singing. Who does that? Luke's two heroes of the early church are Peter and Paul. One sings in prison, the other sleeps like a baby on the night of his execution. Isn't it interesting? And the day which we live in with sleeping obsession, sleeping pillows, sleeping mattresses, sleeping sheets, sleeping pills. It's all sorts of sleeping and medication, just trying to get a good night's sleep. And here is Peter sleeping between two men chained the night before his death and is fast asleep when an angel shows up to the point the angel has to kick him because he's sleeping so soundly. Praise the Lord. Amen? <laughs> I mean, praise the Lord. And anyway, no wonder Peter said in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, ready, ready, this is for somebody right now. He said, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. <sighs> right, right, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. Peter so filled with the spirit of God. He's in such pursuit of the strength and the glory of God that the Holy Spirit allows him to sleep so peacefully on the night that he was supposed to be executed because he, listen again, if you believe you know your future is 100% secure at the end of the day, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And just as Paul said, right? And the peace of God, this is for someone right now. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Are you like, is that possible? Absolutely it is. It's possible even within the impossible. This is what happens here. I love the practical, like the angel shows up. Again, I love God's word. Isn't the Bible amazing? God's word, the angel shows up and he says this, hey, Peter, get up, get dressed, let's get going, right? Get up, get dressed, quick, let's get going, follow me. I love that, I love that. And look at our God in this scene. Look at, look at our God. The efforts of man to imprison Peter and it's made to look so silly. Peter's chains fall off, sleeping between the two soldiers. The soldiers of the doors are so fast asleep, sawing logs. They just walk through the prison door. And verse 10, the iron gate sounds heavy. The iron gate opens by itself. I just, Peter, whatever he's thinking at that moment, he's walking through and 
And he's like, that's cool, man. You know, and he's like kind of going through and he's like, God is amazing. God is so awesome. Can you believe that? It opens on its own accord. I can, I, for me, like, I love that there in verse 10. For me, I'm just like, God does what, God does what, God, God, my God is awesome. Like nothing can stop him. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm reading this. I'm like, great are you, Lord. Or I mean, like you are so, you can just do the smallest of things, the biggest of things. You put the stars in the heavens and the universe and you open any door you want to just supernaturally. Nothing will stop you. And I'm like, and I'm on God's team. I like my chances. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Like this, is, this is going well for me today again. Because my God cannot lose. Even when things go horribly wrong, they're horribly right because God is in charge. And then in verse 11, Peter comes to himself. And again, there's, you know, you can say seeds of uncertainty, maybe even doubt or Peter, he, he's surprised. He himself, he's already been released supernaturally from prison, but he's even surprised. Now I'm sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. I guess he wasn't totally sure before that, right? Maybe he's just saying, well, you never know. The hand of Herod from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Man, what a scene this is. An impossible situation. And yet answered prayer. I'll say it again. An impossible situation, humanly speaking and yet answered prayer. I love this quote from Thomas Watson. He says this, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Yeah, that's a good one. And they're writing that one down. Yeah, that's a good one. The angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer. It was prayer that fetched the angel. God, forgive us for praying so little. God, you know, in some ways, like as, as much as our church, I desire this church to be so much to be built on prayer. I know there's so, there's so far to go. There's so far to go in my own life, Lord. In my marriage and family, there's so far to go. As much as Lord, as I'm thankful for prayer, I'm thankful for the burden to pray. I, I just confess, Lord, forgive me for so many moments of having weak prayer or little prayer or lacking prayer. And Lord, as a church, forgive us. God, we believe, help our unbelief, Amen. We believe, but, but Lord, help our unbelief, our unbelief proven by our, our lack of prayer. Because we understand here today, again, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. I mean, if, if the book of Acts has taught us anything. As we've gone through this, the book of Acts has, has taught us that God is the God of the impossible again and again and again. God working his will through those who desire to be used and fervently seeking him. What's amazing in the third point, so heartbreak, earnest prayer, impossible situation, answered prayer. But now we see this, which is encouraging. The miracle is reported and yet doubting prayer. You wouldn't see this coming. But I love that this is here, church. I love that this is here. Verse 12, it makes us just feel encouraged because we're not alone in our weakness. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. They, they, they had a prayer meeting for Peter. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, by the way, they've been praying for days here, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy. She did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting, no, 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 trust me, trust me. It is his angel. <laughs> and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But the motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, tell these things to James and the brothers. Then he departed 
and he went to another place. Okay, so this is a remarkable and a humorous scene. Again, don't you love how real the Bible is? Here we have amazing, fervent believers, but they are normal, struggling believers too. There was earnest prayer, but there was doubting prayer. Their, their prayers are answered, and when they hear the report of their answered prayer, their first response is, we don't believe it. Now, you gotta love Rhoda, right? Rhoda, probably young. Rhoda, she hears Peter's voice. She doesn't open the door. She runs in joy. She's so fired up. She tells them, the answer from the prayer meeting to the report of answered prayer is, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're out of your mind. How's that for faith? You could ask them, well, then what are you bother praying for? If you think someone's insane for coming back for a report your prayer's been answered, then what are we actually praying about? Why, why are we saying the prayers? But again, you know, as I say that, I got grace for everyone here. I got grace for Peter. I got grace for Rhoda. I got grace for the whole prayer meeting, okay? Because the reality is a lot of the time I know what to pray, but I don't actually believe it will happen. And I think a lot of us are like that too. We know the prayers to pray, but do we actually believe by faith that they're gonna happen? Or are we just trying to be obedient and trying to say those things out loud? But there's more. Rhoda keeps insisting it's Peter and they don't believe that, right? But they kept saying, but they will believe it's his angel. Okay, do you know what the early churches did? They invented their own theology. The Bible nowhere teaches that anywhere. The Bible doesn't teach in any part, any form that somehow an angel can appear in our form of us. And so, so they will believe a newly invented theology over the fact that their prayers have been heard and answered and Peter's at the door. So the whole prayer meeting, I was arguing, Rhoda's like, he's here, he's here. They're like, no, he's not, no, he's not. It's like, you're out of your mind. No, man, it's just his angel. And they're all arguing and there's Peter, <laughs> right? Like he's at the door. He's like, hello, I'm here. Can you please let me in? So they finally go, <laughs> I, I, don't you love the Bible? Honestly, don't you love the Bible? I love the Bible. They finally go, they open the door. They're all amazed. They see Peter. You're right. He is released. They freak out with, a, with emotion and joy and a commotion. And Peter's like, shh, you're gonna get me killed, man. Like, shh, you know, stop it already. Like, it's too much. go inside, go inside. Quiet, 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 whatever. It's like middle of the night. What are you doing? So many people are probably looking for me right now. All these things are happening. It's just, just, just an incredible scene. So what a moment for the early church, eh? Um, such grief, such joy, uh, such anguish such glory, in some ways such doubt, but it becomes such overwhelming faith. Man, Lord, work in our church. Work in our church, Lord. I just, you know, like one application from Acts 12 for us right now, get off the bench in terms of prayer in this church. Get off the bench. Some of you are like, man, I'm afraid to pray. I understand that. I remember when I was newly saved and a believer, I remember being in my first Bible study and they opened, they, they say, open, open your Bible to the book of Philippians. And I'm like, I didn't know the Philippines was in the Bible. Like, I remember, like, that was, that was literally where I was at. I had no idea where to go. And I remember, I remember an early believer in a group of young adults, they were like, hey, what are we gonna do? Every person pray to the person on your left. And I'm like, what? That means I gotta pray? I was like, oh no, I'm so scared. I remember going around and being like, I have no idea what to say. And so I just copied everything the person said from my right. I just passed it on to the person on the left. You know what I mean? Because like, I was terrified. But you gotta start somewhere. 
You gotta start somewhere, right? I'm telling you, just have faith. Like to not pray, that's, that's not the answer. Well, I'm afraid, I don't know. I'm not gonna pray then. Yeah, all the way to heaven, really? Really? You think that's the, that's the answer? I won't pray. You saw someone else pray. Okay, you know the easiest thing you can do? Open scripture, man, and just pray. Could you form a couple of prayer lines off of Acts 12 so far? Like, I mean, that's, I do this every morning, right? As cleaning this, I was in Psalm 89 this morning, among other places. So blessed. But let's say I'm in Acts 12, and I, and I read verse 5. So earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. I could stop and say, God, um, would you build my life with earnest prayer? God, would you, would you cause my family to be filled with earnest prayer? God, would you let earnest prayer be seen in the church that I belong to? God, would you help me to believe more? And you, all of a sudden, you start to start rolling. You start rolling. And you're kind of sitting there, whatever. And you, you go through and you read another verse and again, and you can say that, you know, whether the joy of Rhoda and just the, the answer prayer, God, would you help me to be a person who believes in the joy when I see your prayer and the faith to know that could happen? And God, would I be more like, just again, you just, you just take it and just start, just start talking to God. Like start somewhere. Pray a sentence, pray a verse. You can pray in the, maybe you're praying the car ride, grab your wife's hand, but just don't drop the wheel, steer the wheel still, okay? But you can grab your wife's hand and pray on the way home, just a, just a sentence. God, thank you for your word today. I'm not saying the message is good. I'm saying the Bible's awesome, okay? That's what I'm saying, okay? Uh, thank you for Acts chapter 12. Thank you for a gathered, whatever. Just, just start somewhere, start somewhere. You're guaranteed to be blessed. I'm not telling you guaranteed to be easy, but you're guaranteed to be blessed. Power of prayer, God, God, build, build in us, build in us a desire. So you have heartbreak, earnest prayer, an impossible situation, answer prayer. You have a miracle, but doubting prayer. Let's end here. The enemy is exalted, yet he doesn't have a prayer. As in, he doesn't stand a chance. Verse 18. Now, when day came, this is, this is tragic. Now, when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers of what had become of Peter. Okay, so again, live in the text. You're one of these soldier sentries. You, you wake up, deep sleep. You wake up, you look beside you and the chains are there, but Peter is gone. And you're like, uh-oh, right? Like, I mean, you're like, what? Because here's what, here's what the law was. The law was if a prisoner escapes under your watch, then you are sentenced with the same sentence that that prisoner was under. But so just imagine being one of those four soldiers at that time and they would just be like, you've got to be kidding me. And notice it says in verse 19, and Herod searched for him. So Herod's prize is gone. Like James was a prize, Peter was the prize. His prize is gone, man. He's so mad. He's so humiliated. He searched for him. He did not find him. He examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. He puts his tail between his legs and he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry. So sometime in the near future, Herod was angry at the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord. They're kissing up to him, persuading Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food, right? So Herod's in a huge position of control here. Verse 21 on an appointed day, Herod put on all his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne. Josephus describes this same event. Again, Josephus, like kind of like first century historian. 
And he says his robes, Herod's robes were shining in the bright sun, like just kind of illuminating in human glory, so to speak. And he delivered an oration to them in verse 22. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. And And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Whoa. Look at verse 24, but the word of God, here's a contrast, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Now, Luke is writing, obviously, chapter 12 with purpose. Notice, verse one of chapter 12 begins with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod in total and full control. This chapter ends with, Peter released, Herod dead, and the church thriving as much as ever. Who's in control? Our God's in control. Hey, loved ones, I'm telling you, as you look at this too, man, as you look at this, so often what we do is we just look at a page of our story or we look at maybe a chapter, but we fail so often to look up and see the whole story, right? If you take the last week in our world and you just looked at certain events, and you look what's happening, if you look here maybe at your life, you look at one page or one chance, it's all you look at, man. You gotta look up and see the whole thing. Okay, for instance, if you're a disciple and all you do is live in chapter 12, verse one, you're depressed. You're like, forget it, I give up, I'm done. You go to verse five and you live in verse five, you're like, okay, well, there's some hope. There's some hope. You go later on to verse seven, you're like, man, God's moving. God is awesome. Then you come to verse 20, 23, and all of a sudden you're like, man, God is the best. He's awesome. I'm with him, man. He's the one in control. Verse one, totally depressed. Verse 20, 24, you're like, I can't lose with God. He is that awesome. I'm telling you, encourage and discipline yourself. Look up from just the page you're looking at right now in terms of your life. Look beyond the chapter you're living. Look up and see the grand story of redemption. And to see how awesome our God is. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Listen, the futility of opposing God. The futility of our world trying to come against God. And Herod here, Herod here is a microcosm of the greater narrative. Herod in chapter 12 is a type of the Antichrist who is yet to come. The man of lawlessness as the Bible describes him who at one point, one day soon will be raised up and take his position on his throne, declaring to be God and receive all the glory. And then will assemble an army to come and fight against the Lord Jesus Christ with the nerve that he has to do that. But Jesus Christ will meet him and riding on his white horse and Jesus Christ will just speak. The very words of his mouth will come a sword and he will obliterate in a moment. It won't even be a contest. In a moment, all Antichrist, the devil, all his enemies, anyone who's with them will be absolutely defeated in that moment in a split second by the power and the glory and the might of Jesus Christ the Lord who is the awesome Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah as well. We can clap for that, amen, it's awesome. And this is, this is gonna happen soon. Herod is the type. Herod stands up in his self-glory. Herod ends up suffering the greatest humiliation ever in this sense, eaten by worms and dead. And the church moves on. And again, the Antichrist, the same thing will happen. Massive humiliation will suffer eternal torment in the lake of fire, the Bible says, and all who belong to him will suffer the same. But listen, then who can be saved? Who will be saved? Those who are saved are those who are washed by the blood of the lamb. Those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life because they have received forgiveness of all sins 
and therefore they are on the side of God Almighty. They are a child of God adopted into his family because listen, they've been washed by the blood of the lamb. Say, how do I get washed by the blood of the lamb? By believing in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, declaring him Lord and putting your absolute life and trust in him. Hey everyone, I'm sure many of you have heard that November 28th is Giving Tuesday. No, doesn't sound familiar? Well, Giving Tuesday is a global generosity movement unleashing the power of people and organizations to transform their communities and the world. It was created in 2012 as a simple idea, a day that encourages people to do good. Over the past 11 years, this idea has grown into a global movement that inspires hundreds of millions of people to give, collaborate, and celebrate generosity. Live in the Light exists to see lives radically transformed by the revelation of God's truth. This is what's close to our hearts. If you get fired up for the gospel and people learning about Jesus is your heartbeat as well, would you consider spending your Giving Tuesday on Live in the Light? A gift of any amount helps keeps us on the air, and because of that, more people can hear God's Word each day through stations like this. If the mission of Live in the Light resonates with you, you can donate on our website at liveinthelight.ca. We can't wait to see what God will do through the generosity of His people this Giving Tuesday. Catch you next time here at Live in the Light. Live in the Light.